Welcome back, fiction fans, to my podcast, Not Just Any Other Story. It's Anita Capri, and I'm so glad you joined us here today. We are going to be reading um, through some more chapters. We're episode six today. If you recall, uh, we left off the last episode where Angel just finishes her date with Les. And I'm really excited today because we were supposed to have two guests, Doris and Louise, who I'm very happy to have because we, you two were actually the first, I think, out of the first three people, you were the first two that read the book within the first uh, week that I had it out. So thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having us, Anita. You're welcome, Louise and Doris. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to reading the book again. Yeah, it's getting juicy now. It is, it is. And guess who just stopped by? Julia, Julia was uh, a party crash. You are. We're gonna have a party now, boy. We got the wine out now, and uh, now we're all relaxed. And we're, it's a party. So now we get to have three people talk about it. Yay! Yay! Glad to be back. Thank you. Thanks, Julia. Okay, so we're going to start with chapter fourteen, and chapter fourteen is called surprises. Chapter fourteen: surprises. Well, good morning, Moira greeted me with a fantastic grin as she opened her front door. So how was your hot date with the mystery man? It was good, I said. Come on, spill it. I want every hot, disgusting detail, she demanded, pulling me into the kitchen. I feared Moira would be sadly disappointed by my narrative, which would feature my less-than-ladylike stumble on the curb and the lack of even one kiss. Before I could start, she got up and called out toward the basement steps. Zephia, come upstairs and hear about Angel's date last night. My eyes widened as I stared, stupefied at Moira, wondering why my young, pregnant receptionist was in her basement. Come on, Angel, why the look? You know I couldn't possibly let that girl go out on the street. She's living here, I asked, whispering. And why would she be on the street? I thought she was staying at a friend's place. Her friend and her friend's boyfriend were not too keen on having her there. Besides, what's the point of having a basement apartment if there's no one to live in it? Just then, Zephia's footsteps echoed on the wood stairs as she made her way up from her new basement apartment. Hurry up and smile, Moira ordered, before she thinks you're mad or something. I'm not mad, I protested. Then she put her forefinger to her lips as if she were shushing me like one of her students, and there it was. I had been told, in not so many words, that there were some things that I could not have control over. When Zephia entered the room, her eyes were downcast. Hello, Angel, she said softly. It was almost as if she sensed that I was not altogether sure about her living in my best friend's basement. Hello, Zephia. I tried to sound friendly. Okay, so go on. Tell us what happened, Moira continued, as if nothing at all were out of the ordinary. Well, I... I hesitated because I simply didn't know what to say next. It really isn't all that exciting. You're full of it, said Moira. I see that look in your eye. You probably have goosebumps running up and down your arms just thinking about him. Let me see. And with that, she took a firm hold of my arm, and it was clear that she knew me better than myself. There were tiny little bumps all over my skin, which became more pronounced as I pictured the look on Les's face and his heavenly scent as he got out of the car. 
I couldn't keep from smiling. You're tickling me, let go, I begged Moira as I began to giggle. I felt like I was ten years old again. Moira and Zephiah followed suit, and the three of us were sitting there giggling like three silly young girls. Not until you tell us everything, she demanded. I will, I will, it's not all that exciting, honest. Moira finally let go of my arm. When we all calmed down, I tried to finish the rest of my tale. When I got to the part where our prospective kiss was undermined by a car horn, both Moira and Zephiah sat in silence for a good long minute, staring at me. I told you it wasn't that great, I said. On the contrary, my dear, you truly have a knack for making what may seem ordinary extraordinary. It's definitely more romantic than tumbling around on a mattress. Moira, you are so crude. I was only slightly surprised. Zephiah seemed very amused by it all. She was smiling and enjoying the camaraderie between her newfound landlady and her employer. When I finished my tale, the three of us sat together at Moira's antique kitchen table drinking decaffeinated coffee and nibbling on some scones. Moira's favorite pre-dinner, after-dinner, and during-dinner snack. I was thankful that it was Saturday and I didn't have to work though I'd planned on going into the clinic on Sunday to finish up some paperwork. For the moment, I was appreciative of the free time that I could spend with Moira shopping for my upcoming trip to Italy. We'd asked Sophia if she wanted to come along, but she politely refused the invitation, saying that she needed to rest her swollen, tired feet. And swollen they were. Poor Zephiah. She had two and a half months still to go until the baby was born, and she suffered from swollen feet on a daily basis. We had just one stop to make before heading over to the mall. I had promised my mother and father that I would stop by for a brief visit and to drop off my house key so they could check on the house while I was away. Moira had no qualms about spending an hour or so chatting it up with my parents. When we pulled into their driveway, we both admired the cherry red convertible that was parked there. When I noticed the Florida license plates, I darted out of the car and was through the front door in seconds. My brother Matthew stood in the middle of the kitchen. He looked startled when I burst into the room, arms outstretched. I squeezed him so tightly I thought I would squeeze the life out of him. It had been almost a year since I'd last seen him, the baby of the family, and token male sibling. He was like a prized possession to us all. Matt and I, being the closest in age, had always shared a special bond. He looked as handsome as ever, though a little tired, no doubt, from his long drive. "'What are you doing here, you rat?' I asked, hugging him one more time. "'Well, I was actually forced to take a vacation. I just didn't know where to go at the last minute, so I packed a few things, got in the car, and started driving. How I ended up here, I have no idea.' We all chuckled at Matt's rendition of his travel plans, ecstatic that he had decided to head home for his vacation instead of going to some tropical paradise. Then Moira entered the room. Realizing what had cost me, caused me to race into the house, she grinned and gave Matt a huge hug. Moira, he exclaimed, returning the gesture, it's great to see you. Where's Caroline? I asked innocently, not expecting the mood to change so quickly. Caroline, Matthew's blonde, skinny, snobby wife, rubbed everyone the wrong way, not to mention the fact that it was because of her that we hadn't seen him in more than a year. She never liked to visit, nor was an invitation to go there forthcoming. Well, she's in Florida. Matt looked like he wanted to explain, but seemed so ill at ease that I cut him off by saying, Don't explain, Matt. It's just so great to see you. We're divorced, he blurted out. He sighed so heavily that I couldn't make out whether he was relieved or sad. Oh, I answered. I passed a swift glance at Moira, almost wishing she would give me the right words to say to him. It's okay. 
I'm okay, he assured me. I was just telling mom and dad about it as you walked in, so now you all know. For a moment, there was an uncomfortable silence. Don't worry, he added. Our good Catholic parents are handling it well. After all, it's not as if I got a girl pregnant at 15 or something. And then he winked at me. Before I could even consider being angry with him, he kissed my forehead and finished with, Thanks to you, sis, nothing shocks these two anymore. To which Mom replied in her Italian accent, That's what you think, smartass. Only Matthew, with his charm and charisma, could get away with such a comment. I forgave him instantly, and only Matt could have everyone laughing after such serious news. Actually, I think my parents were relieved that he and Caroline were no longer together. They had never warmed up to her, and I'm sure there was much resentment toward her for trying to keep Matthew away from all of us. There had been a few moments when I thought that she really did love him. Of the few times she had come home to visit with Matt, I had caught glimpses of affection between them. She would often stare at him from across the room admiringly, and when he noticed he would tease her with a grin or a wink. I sometimes wondered if she were actually jealous of Matthew, though. He was energetic, funny, and very cute. He could intimidate anyone who didn't know him well. Maybe she just felt that she couldn't compete with all of us for his attention. Whatever the reason for their breakup, I knew my theory wasn't too far off the mark. How long are you staying? I asked. Well, at least a week, maybe two, he answered. Oh, no. What, you want me to leave already? I'm going to Italy on Wednesday to see Tilly. Matthew narrowed his eyes for a moment. Then I will have to spend as much time as possible with you over the next few days. What are you doing today? Moira and I looked at each other, smiling. We're going shopping. Want to come? Shopping for what? The look in his eye revealed a man who was seriously considering the prospect of a shopping spree with two women. Moira answered before I could, shopping for a few things for Angel to take to Italy with her, starting with bathing suits. Then I'll definitely have to come. I know you'll want my opinion, he teased. He winked once more at me and then gallantly offered to drive us in his snazzy convertible. At that moment, I made up my mind that nothing was going to ruin this day for me, so I decided to turn off my cell phone and stuffed it into my jean jacket pocket. Okay, so that's the end of chapter 14, Zephaya, now living with Moira. Zephaya's, um, she's, I, I don't know, I can't remember if it was mentioned, I think she's 18, some around there, 18, 19, so um, she's young and pregnant, so Angel kind of understands where that what that feels like, although Zephaya's situation isn't as uh, good as hers was at the time because Zephaya actually doesn't right now have the support of her parents and her, um, the father of the baby. So, yeah, I think Zephaya is really uh, very brave to um, to keep the baby and I think she's very fortunate at the same time. She's got someone yeah. to help her. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very gracious of Maura to open up her home to her, you know? Yeah, Not too yeah. many people would do that on yeah. short notice. I'm, I, with this chapter, I kind of feel like Maura is becoming more of a mother figure, not just to Zephaya, but like even to Angel. Like she's yes. kind of like the mother hen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the three. Taking care of everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she just happened to have an apartment yeah. in her basement available. Yes. yes. So yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That worked yeah. out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but you see, now it just makes me want to know more. Yeah. Now yes. I'm curious. Yeah. Because yeah. how will this affect? 
yeah. you know, Moira and yeah. the house and what's going to happen next. Yeah. yeah. Will the father continue, you know, will he be involved yeah. or not? Well, the fire definitely comes in um, to play in the book. Um, she's not a major character, but she definitely, you'll hear more about the fire. Okay. So we're going to start chapter 15, and Doris is going to read chapter 15. And what's the title of chapter 15? Chapter 15, and the title is One of Them. Okay. Take it away, Doris. Normally, I would never, ever want to shop for bathing suits in the company of a man, even my own brother. But in this case, it turned out to be quite entertaining, and that's putting it mildly. I was beside myself at one store in particular where he had all of the ladies giggling and staring at him. I pretended I didn't know him while I tried on a multitude of outfits along with some pretty slinky bathing suits that Moira had picked out for me. He blew my cover almost immediately when he shouted, Hey, Thith, you're going to be a babe in that one, as Moira passed him going into the dressing room with yet another thing to try on. He kept himself busy flirting with the sales girls. And then there was a moment of sheer comedy when a very pretty girl walked out of the dressing rooms and he said, I bet that bathing suit would also look great on this lovely lady too. Instead of the flattered reaction he was waiting for from the hot babe, it was an elderly lady who calmly replied, Oh, thank you, dear. Whether she was joking or not still remains a mystery. <laughs> After all that kerfuffle, I did buy one outfit, but I was so distracted and embarrassed at Matt's carousing that I suggested we leave before he got himself into some real trouble. To my delight, there was a Starbucks inside the mall, so we decided to grab a drink and chat for a while. So, what made you decide to go to Italy? Matt asked as he took a sip of his coffee. Tilly can be pretty convincing, you know, I reminded him. True, but I can't believe you're going to leave Harry. Have you ever gone anywhere without him? First of all, I'm not leaving him alone. He's staying with mom and dad. And secondly, he didn't want to come. He has a girlfriend, you know. Really? Matt looked intrigued. A girlfriend, eh? The little guy has a girlfriend. Wow. He's not so little anymore, Moira interjected. You should see him. Handsome, just like his uncle. Moira, are you flirting with me? Matt asked, grinning emphatically. Absolutely, Moira confirmed. Well, cheers to that. He raised his cup. Hey, Angel, do you want me to stay over at your house with Harry? I considered this a moment, picturing both uncle and nephew watching television until the wee hours of the morning and multiple pizza boxes stacked on the kitchen table. As if he had read my mind, Matt said, don't worry, we'll only party on the weekends. How could I say no? It had been so long since Harry had seen his Uncle Matt, and I knew that it would be good for him to have some guy time with him. Sure, you can stay at my place, at least until Mom insists that you stay with her. We chuckled at the same time. We knew our parents well. We both knew that it wouldn't be too long before our mother would make them move the party over to her house. That sounds great. I'm going to really enjoy seeing Harry. It'll be like being a dad. It must have been the thought of having his own son that made Matt, at that moment, look down at his coffee cup introspectively. I touched his arm in a gesture of understanding. I knew that Matt had wanted children. It must have seemed so far off, especially now with his divorce finalized. Don't worry about me, he said as he forced a smile. I know I'll have kids of my own one day. Of course you will, Moira reassured him, and they'll be just as beautiful as you are. Matt grinned again. 
Moira, that's twice now. <laughs> As I watched the flirtatious play between the two of them, I felt a huge sense of relief that Moira was there to stop both of us from brooding. We took one last gulp of our drinks and came to the mutual decision that shopping was done for the day. Matt, who seemed anxious to see the rest of the family, suggested that we invite ourselves over to Bev's place for dinner, but I knew she would still be at the restaurant. Saturday nights were always the busiest in her business, so I countered his suggestion with dinner at my place. Then, as we got into the car, the plan in place, something caught my attention. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed Les walking through the parking lot with a cart full of parcels. Oh my God, I gasped, startling my two companions. I ducked down in my seat so he wouldn't see me. Though he was a couple of rows away, I was still within the peripheral. What are you doing? asked Matt. It's Les, I whispered, still watching him through the crack in my line of vision. Who's Les? Matt asked. Why are you hiding? He's your sister's new beau, answered Moira. I don't want him to see me. At this time, Les was loading the bag into his trunk. Why don't you want him to see you, whispered Matt. I don't know, I just don't. As I peeked over the dash, I could tell Les was struggling with the shopping cart. It seemed to have a broken wheel. Oh, looks like he's getting a little frustrated, Moira teased, peeking over the back seat. Let's go help him out, Matt suggested a touch of sarcasm in his voice. Don't you dare, I cried in a panicked whisper, almost loud enough for Les to hear. Just then, a woman, a very attractive woman, came running up to him out of nowhere. She touched him lightly on the shoulder to get his attention, and when he whirled around to see who it was, he responded with a hug and a warm smile. Then they both got into his car and drove away. And if this weren't enough of a shock, I noticed that he had left the shopping cart with the broken wheel in the adjacent parking spot. Talk about double whammies. I guess you escaped in that time, Matt chuckled, and he left with one hot-looking woman, I might add. I think you need to straighten him out, Angie. Matt thought this was all very amusing. He looked at me then toward the back seat to glance at Moira and suddenly realized that we were not laughing. Girls, I was just joking. Relax. I'm sure she was nobody special. Poor Matt. He had no idea why we were so stunned. I couldn't even be sure myself. What was it that disappointed me the most? The girl or the shopping cart? Though not too keen on cliches, I truly did feel at that moment like my world, my new world with Les, had come crashing down on me with one big deafening and devastating bang. I had barely started on this new journey and now it seemed as if it didn't have a chance of succeeding. I could never be with someone who didn't put away his shopping cart, especially someone who wasn't <laughs> as available as I thought he was. And clearly, there was no competition for the long-led, dark-haired beauty that he'd left with. Moira was also very silent, unusual for her. Matt sensed there was something terribly wrong. Is there something I'm missing here? What's wrong? You can't be that upset about this, he said. That woman could have been anyone. I could not speak. He didn't put his shopping cart away. That's a no-no, Moira said. So, he said, now Mr. Perfect isn't so perfect anymore? When I didn't answer, Matt's happy-go-lucky smile faded and confusion reigned over his expression once again. What? You don't like the guy anymore because he didn't put his broken shopping cart away? Are you serious? And I thought it was the girl you were mad about. I didn't answer because I was too busy jumping to the conclusion that the woman with less must have been his ex-fiancee. I started to mumble to myself at that point, 
something about being an idiot and too trusting, and then I resorted to comments about the fact that lust was just one of them now anyway. Mm. Matt, who was obviously listening to me, asked, he's one of who? What? He's one of who? Moira and I both answered at the same time, one of the shopping cart people. Come again? His expression was more confused now than ever. One of the shopping cart people, you know. I scolded him as if he should have figured this out already. People who leave their carts in the middle of the parking lot and can't be bothered to put them away. You actually have a name. Immediately broke out into a thunderous laugh, shaking and nodding his head. I instantly felt foolish and petty. Well, I tried to explain. What kind of person doesn't put their shopping cart away? Hmm, let's see now. Matt replied, scratching his chin and scrunching his eyes as if he were considering the situation at great length. Someone who has a broken one that won't move, Matt said, as if this were being totally ridiculous. And then he started the car and dismissed the whole incident. Come on, you two, let's go and worry about something more important, like having a big tall glass of beer over at your place, Angie. And I want to see my nephew. Is he going to be around? And before I could answer, he added, Oh, and I want to hear more about your shopping cart stud, too. During the ride home, I barely spoke. All I could do was replay the whole thing in my head over and over again. The woman had left the mall with Les, seemed very comfortable with them. I pictured her face and felt that there was something familiar about her, and it began to eat away at me until we arrived home. As Matt rolled into the driveway, I made a shocking resolution that I would not shop again anywhere, ever. <laughs> we know that's not going to happen. <laughs> yes, we might have a shop uh, at least tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, so what do you think of Matt so far? Really a nice guy, you know? Yeah. Except, you know, it was interesting because reading this back or hearing you read it back, when he's like kind of, you know, making these comments to women, you would never get away with that now. Yeah. Like that would be that, you know, totally sexist, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But and, I like the relationship he has yeah. with his, yeah, yeah, yeah. his sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. He has a, a yeah. funny sense of yeah. humor. Comfortable you know? and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's, yeah. Uh, he's uh, a funny guy. Although it seems like there's some things he doesn't know, obviously. Yeah. Because right. she went on a date with the last yeah. Right, time. yeah, yeah. He, um, he is a lot like my brother. He's written sort of like my brother, who's like always joking around, gets like, gets laughs, that funny things that we say, my sister and uh, my, me both. And um, so that's, that's what it reminds me of, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so should we go on to the next chapter? Yes. I think yes. Louise is reading this one. Oh. What is this one called, Louise? A Mother's Intuition. Okay, so let me just get you a bit closer. One second. Okay. Chapter 16, A Mother's Intuition. Starbucks Cup Quote, number 36. Mother love is not inevitable. The good mother is a great artist, ever creating beauty out of chaos. Alice Randall, novelist. Two hours later, over a large glass of wine, I listened to the banter of the three musketeers, Matt, Moira, and Harry, and began to feel like myself again. I'd decided somewhere in between the argument over the best hockey team in the NHL and Matt drilling Harry about his new girlfriend that I would not allow any negative feelings towards less ruin the evening. I wanted to enjoy the precious time Harry and Matt were having together, catching up and laughing about guy things. Our original plan of ordering pizza or Chinese didn't quite pan out. 
As soon as we were in the door, my mother called, informing us that she had already cooked lasagna while we were out shopping. Hmm, big surprise. <laughs> Unfortunately, Bev and Hans would have a busy night at the bistro with a couple of large dinner parties for two separate functions, in addition to the regular swell of weekend customers. Though they both had to work, Bev had promised to try to get away by 8 o'clock to join us while Hans stayed at the bistro with the rest of the Saturday night staff. Harry went over to Bev's house, having offered to babysit her kids, Brendan and Liz, for the evening, and also to relieve Bev's mother-in-law, who was the usual Saturday help. Matt drove Harry over to Bev's place and spent some time playing with his youngest niece and nephew. It was a good plan, as it gave me some time to make a quick trip to the grocery store to get a few last-minute items to add to the meal. So much for never shopping again. <laughs> Matt returned just in time for dinner, which had, not surprisingly, turned into a feast fit for royalty. Roasted chicken, salad, garlic bread, rice balls, marinated artichoke hearts and peppers, and of course, mom's lasagna were all laid out on the dining room table, which had not had so many people around it since Christmas dinner two years earlier. As we began the meal, the conversation and laughter became loud straight away. No doubt there was Italian blood in the room. I felt suddenly comforted as I watched the faces of my mother and father, my brother and sister and Moira. They all looked so wonder wonderfully happy. And then, quite suddenly, as I stared at each face, I felt somehow removed from it all. It was as if the whole scene were surreal. I wanted to ask myself, what's going to happen? What's going to go wrong? It was like foreshadowing an event in Shakespearean play. As if, as if it were God's plan to stop my foreboding thoughts before they ran ahead of me, the doorbell rang and I got up, wondering if it was Hans who had perhaps left the bistro a little earlier than usual. To my amazement, it was less. I was so taken aback that I didn't say anything at first. I didn't even ask him how he knew where the hell I lived. <laughs> Though something deep inside of me was thrilled to see him, I was so shocked that all I could think about was how I was going to get him out of, out of there. Coming to my house unexpectedly was one thing, especially after what I'd seen that day. Meeting the family was quite out of the question, at least for the time being. Thank goodness Harry's babysitting at Bev's, I thought to myself. He stood in the doorway staring back at me with a half smile almost as if he knew that there was a chance that he would not get the reaction he had hoped for. Aren't you going to invite me in, or am I imposing? He asked, trying to read my expression. I... no, come in. <laughs> I moved aside to let him in. As he passed through the doorway, the delicious scent of his cologne followed him in, teasing me as if it knew that it had hit a weak spot. Listen, Angel, I won't stay. I just thought I would drop this off to you. He held up my cell phone and then placed it in my hand when he saw that I made no move to retrieve it from him. I was still in shock, my mind racing. How did you get that? I asked in disbelief. I didn't even know it was missing. You must have dropped it in or something when you were trying on clothes today. He was grinning, obviously wanting to engage in a question and answer game. I had no idea how he would know that I was at the mall shopping unless he had seen me there. Probably before he headed out to the parking lot to ditch his shopping cart, I thought to myself, <laughs> why couldn't I ask him how he knew I was shopping that day, or how he got my cell phone, or how he knew exactly where I lived? Sensing my discomfort and surprise, his mood suddenly shifted, and he twisted his lips to one side and said, 
I'll um I'll just get going. It's late. Just as he turned to go, Matt came up behind me. Hey, Angie, what's going on? Matt recognized Les right away and offered his hand graciously, saying, Hi, I'm Matt, Angie's brother. Les, who had for an instant, I'm sure, thought that he had intruded upon my date with another man, <laughs> let out a slight sigh of relief as he shook Matt's hand. And before I could say anything, Matt had invited him to, invited him to stay for dinner. <laughs> no, Matt, no. <laughs> Les didn't say yes, and I could tell that he was waiting for some signal or sign of welcome from me. Well, uh, I just really came to drop something off for Angel, he said, searching my expression. Just then, my father's laughter filled the house and broke the awkwardness of the moment. I shot Les a quick glance, and for that tiny instant, I saw that warm, inviting sparkle in his green eyes. The images of the lone shopping cart and the other woman started to fade, and I stared <laughs> at him, wanting everything in my heart to feel right again. I felt ashamed for having treated him so coldly, even though I still wasn't sure about his petty companion. Sorry, pretty companion. <laughs> or his broken shopping cart. Without saying anything at all, I took his hand and led him into my cozy dining room where he would meet my parents and the infamous Moira for the very first time. I was thankful that he had at least met Bev and her housewarming party and now Matt. Two down, three to go. <laughs> if the pressure was on before in terms of telling Les and Harry about their mutual close affiliation, then it was ever more pressing on me as I watched Les interact with my parents. I was almost thankful for Matt's little side comments that only I could hear. At one point, I was carrying out a planter full of food. Platter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He whispered in my ear. So, are you going to tell him he's one of the shopping cart people? Or will you wait till you're all alone with him? Fortunately for Matt, I couldn't whack him with my hands full and my nerves so on edge. And yet, I was somewhat thankful for the light touch he cast to the evening. His teasing, though a little annoying, kept me in check about my own true feelings where Les was concerned. The most grueling part of dinner was Dad's incessant questioning. He asked Les about his job, his family background, and finally his schooling. As if he could sense my distress, Les was very careful with every response, omitting the details about how and when we had first met. Avoiding my father's curious expression and his raised eyebrow, I got up to pretend to get something much needed from the kitchen. Mom, with her intuitive sense that had always kept me on my toes, followed me. She looked at me full in the face and asked, When do you think you are going to tell him, Angelica? I stared at her blankly, wondering what she could be talking about. Tell who what? Mm -hmm. I answered, her words still registering in my brain. Mom just stared at me, a half-worried, half-hopeful smile on her lips. Then her expression turned sympathetic as she hugged me and caressed my chin like the mom of my childhood. It was such a simple gesture, but one which had a multitude of feelings behind it. I couldn't answer her as I began to assemble and make sense of her words. It finally dawned on me that she knew exactly who Les was. I had to look away because I knew my mother would only need to look at my face for confirmation. 
For a few moments, I just pretended she hadn't asked me a thing. I started to put things away and tidy up while she stood and watched. God, I just hated being an open book. I hated that my life seemed to be one. I hated that she knew me so well and that I couldn't fool her. But I loved her for it too. I loved her and I realized suddenly that I wanted to share it all with her. How could you know, Ma? I asked, my voice trembling as I turned around to look at her. Angelica, she said. You'll be okay. Her eyes tried to reassure me, but she blinked a few times, trying to hold back the tears. I just know. She sighed deeply as she said it. It's my job to know. Just tell him, okay? Don't wait. And with that, she left me standing there in the middle of the kitchen, alone, my mouth agape. It has to be the smile. Harry smiles just like him, I murmured to myself, still in awe of my mother's acute ability to see beyond the surface of everything. When I was finally able to face the crowd sitting in my dining room, I took a platter of fruit out of the fridge, swallowed hard, and entered the room, trying to hide my hands, which suddenly seemed to be shaking uncontrollably. They were all engaged in conversation, thank goodness. Les glanced up at me and smiled as Bev chirped away to him about the restaurant and her busy life. When there was a momentary pause in the conversation, he directed his attention to me, saying, I didn't know you were going to Italy. And then, with a hint of regret in his voice, That's wonderful, Angel. And Bev says you're leaving in just a few days. All I could say was yes. He didn't answer and continued to stare at me. When it was obvious that I wasn't going to elaborate further on my trip, Matt cut in. Yep, she's got to make sure Tilly's behaving. Thank you, Matt. Everyone laughed as the conversation shifted to the topic of Tilly's job and how she was adapting to her new European lifestyle. Anyone who knew Tilly would also know that it wouldn't have taken her more than a day to fit right in. It was just getting on to 10.30 when the conversation and energy level at the table began to wind down. I felt a sense of relief that I had made it that far without cracking into a million pieces. And Les had done exceptionally well in keeping up with everyone's questions and the talk of mutual family acquaintances. Though my parents were the last to arrive, they were the first to leave. Dad complained of being tired as he always did. But then, at the age of 58, he was still working physically hard as a contractor in the field. Dad had been a contractor all his life, and despite the fact that he had capable people working for him, he always felt that he needed to be on every job site, making sure that things were being done right. Mom did make him wait until she had finished helping with the cleanup. My insistence that she need not do a thing and that Bev and Mora would help was futile. After a second cup of coffee and a few yawns, Bev excused herself and gave me a long, heartfelt hug before she left. Bev, more than anyone, wanted me to find love. She seemed happy that I had met Les, and I knew she would take the credit for it soon enough, thinking that it was her restaurant that had somehow brought us together, thanks to Hans. But I suspected that Hans had a good idea that Les and I went further back than our chance encounter at the bistro. I was thankful that Hans hadn't blown my cover, and I knew that somebody I would have the that someday I would have the opportunity to thank him openly for it. It was Matt who got up to leave next. Turning to me, he said, Hey, Angel, why don't I go pick up Harry? He can stay at the boss's house with me tonight. He winked at me, and I shook my head left to right, chuckling at the familiar title we'd given to our mother. Thanks, Matt, I replied with a smile. We can stay up all night and drink beer and watch movies with naked girls, he added. 
Matt, I protested with a note of disapproval. Relax, I was just kidding. We'll watch a guy's flick with lots of shoot 'em up instead. That okay with you? My laughter was enough of an answer for him. See you tomorrow, sweetie, he said as he kissed me on the cheek. He put on his black leather jacket in preparation to leave, but before he sauntered out through the front door, he turned to me and gave me a quick wink. It really was great to have him home again. Maura and Les, the only ones left at that point, were still in the kitchen talking about education and other such things on Maura's list of hot topics. For the next hour, the three of us sat in the front room around a freshly opened bottle of wine. Maura used the opportunity to recount some of our comical adventures together. Les seemed quite enthralled by some of Maura's embellished stories. As I listened, I kept asking myself how I could approach the topic of the cell phone and the mystery lady. I didn't want to say anything with Maura there, but thanks to her, I didn't really have to. When she mentioned that we had been at the mall, Les confessed on his own to being there as well that afternoon. Yes, I know, he said. You were shopping for bathing suits. I heard it was quite a show today. My attention was drawn to Maura, who was looking at him, her eyes wide open. Then, turning to me, she tilted her head to the side and made a face like a child who has been awed by some magical trick. I was, of course, sitting on pins and needles, still waiting for some sort of explanation. My sister Karen is manager of the store you were in today, he said. She's the one who found Angel's cell phone in one of the change rooms. Mora looked at me, now clearly perplexed. You lost your cell phone, she asked. Apparently so, I replied, feeling myself becoming a little less anxious. I went to pick her up today from work. Her car's in being fixed. When I went into the store, there it was, sitting right by the cash register. I recognized it right away. So she was the woman who'd left them all with him. It was all falling into place beautifully to my great relief. I looked over at Mora, and she wore the same remorseful expression as me. We'd both been guilty of judging him and assuming the worst. He turned to me to continue. I knew the phone was yours. I'd noticed the little cat sticker you had on the cover when we were out the other night. We had to look through your cell phone list just to be sure, and I saw Mora's name there. I hope you don't mind. What a coincidence, Mora exclaimed. And there goes fate. Playing havoc with me again, I thought. What are the odds that of all places I would lose my cell phone in the store where Les' sister works? I just nodded to assure him that it was all good. As I listened to the mystery unfold, a wave of calm swept over me. And then I felt so angry with myself for having let my insecurities get so in the way of my feelings toward him. With all misunderstandings out of the way, it seemed to be the perfect end to a very long and unpredictable day. Then, Maura got up suddenly and announced that it was time for her to go. I don't know why I didn't want to be alone with Les just then, but I was feeling exceptionally vulnerable at that moment, and I wasn't sure what would happen if she left us there alone, especially considering how much wine I'd drunk. First, I was afraid that I would be tempted to tell him about Harry and that it would not go well. I was also afraid of getting close to him, kissing him, and God knows what after that. I glared at Mora, and as she headed toward the front door, I got up to follow her and pinched her arm. Ow! she hollered. There went my attempt at being subtle. Sorry, I said, then I whispered, Don't go, don't go yet, please. She looked into my face as I pleaded with my eyes for her to stay and save me from myself. 
Then she patted my cheek and called out as she headed down the front steps. Bye, you two. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> as I closed the door, I noticed my hand shaking on the door handle. Deep breath, Angel. Deep breath. Before I had a chance to turn around, I could feel Les's arms envelop me. Holding me there for just a moment, I was sure he could feel my heart pounding violently in my chest. He turned me around so that I was facing him, and he did it so quickly that I caught my breath. Then, without wasting a second, I felt his mouth close in on mine. He was holding my head now, his fingers entangled in my hair as he kissed me. I could go into a literary melodrama of passion here about how his kiss was demanding and how his lips explored mine in a wave of tantalizing blah, blah, blah. But simply put, it was an amazing kiss, one of the best I've ever had, perhaps the best. And there was the scent of his cologne again. As subtle as it was, it made me want to close my eyes and take another deep breath. There was something sweet that seemed to mingle with it, and I realized that it was the Vanilla Glade plug-in we were standing beside. <laughs> As I felt his lips parting my own, my mind drifted off, and suddenly I began recalling how I'd heard somewhere that Vanilla was an aphrodisiac. I started to giggle when the notion came to me. Then he stopped to look at me, his lips pursed in a curious smile, wondering what had caused me to laugh during such a passionate exchange. It's nothing, I said, now a little embarrassed. I have been dying to do that all night, he said in a low voice. Me too, I conferred as I closed my eyes again, giving the potent mixture of cologne and vanilla full reign over my weakened senses. <laughs> Wow. Whoa. Wow, that's a good that's a good part of the story, I would say. Finally that kiss. Finally. Wow. I don't know. Well she does eventually, but it's not in a in a way that you think. Oh. Yeah. 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 So um I, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought of the mother knowing. Yeah. Like how yeah. the mother knows, like the, I think she says about well, how it's a mother's mother, intuition, a, intuition, right? yeah. And I think in an earlier chapter, maybe it was the chapter we read about how every woman in the family has like this heightened sense of intuition. Yeah, I don't think it was mine, yeah. But, oh, okay. but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the mom knows, but you know, he probably Harry probably looks like less too. Yes, yeah, exactly. So nobody really, yeah, yeah. So the mother picked up on something there, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I love about that? The fact that I have like three of you here and you're reading it. It's actually like I realize it is funny. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> when you're writing yeah. it, you're laughing oh, yeah, to yourself, yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah. But you don't what know. It's a sense of humor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. With the vanilla scent. Oh, I know the vanilla like, scent. It's a bit goofy, isn't it? Because I love no. vanilla and I love glee. <laughs> <laughs> But like, but, but I mean, what a touch! Like, yeah. it's all these little add-ons and yeah. these things that just add texture and smell, mm -hmm. and you know, Spencer. like, and Spencer. yeah, by saying vanilla, you know, it was mixed with it, yeah. and then all of a yeah. sudden, that smell. Yes, all of a sudden, you say vanilla, yeah. you could smell it. You know, yeah. like, I love. Who doesn't buy vanilla that. candle? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a thing about cologne too. 
Oh, I, I just, too, oh my actually. gosh, I just love when a, a Only guy. I like it. Yes. Right? Because there's cologne that turns my stomach. Yes. <laughs> there's one, and I won't say what brand it is, okay. but it smells like evergreen trees. And I feel like, oh, yeah. I feel like it, it oh, actually makes me a bit too. nauseous. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I've been nauseous from cologne yes. as well. Or perfume, too. Yeah. yeah. And perfume. Yeah. 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 I've been caught in elevators with some perfumes oh, that my I'm like, my stomach is flipping and flipping, yeah. and you're like, I want to get off this elevator yeah. so you're right but then when you get the right smell the right smell, smell like, on the right person <laughs> and the right looks yeah. <laughs> they all go together nicely i know I, i'm very happy i got to read that chapter <laughs> the first kiss chapter. the first kiss <laughs> i want to read like uh, more I, i'm not going to say <laughs> But it's steamier yeah. than this. It gets a little steamer. Actually, steamier you want to hear something? Something? It does get steamier. Okay. okay. But I have to tell you guys that when I had a friend read through this, and she actually did a lot of edits for me, uh, uh, actually a teacher I used to work with, um, she said, I don't know, the love scenes, like the this, like this one here, she goes, I guess because I was like, blah, 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 right? <laughs> Right. She was like, you got it. You got to go harder. You got to. And it's hard for me because I'm like so shy about that. Like I was just taught not to talk about it. And, yeah. you know, in fact, I remember when I, the first time in grade seven, when I, I was I had to teach health and there was that whole like kind of sex ed unit. I'll never forget. My husband says, how are you going to do that? <laughs> and then he said, do you need me to help? <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's hard for me to write about yeah. that because to me, it's so private and personal. So as a writer, it's hard. So anyway, with the next book, it was a little easier. I tried that oh, a little good. bit more, but we'll and get to that okay someday. In the comfort zone there? Yeah. Yeah. Did. A little bit better. Yeah. It was hard though. Yeah. It was really hard. So. You did a but, great job. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. No, though, I think, I think there's another kiss. Enough. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Was not, enough. Oh, yeah. Goosebumps. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. got the goosebumps. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Good. Excellent. Yeah. I think it should be a movie. I know. You know how many people? It should be a, movie. It should be a rom com, right? Yeah. Everybody tells me that. Yeah. Who would make it a movie? Do you think? Well, they say <laughs> six degrees of separation. Yeah, you must know somebody that knows somebody. Knows somebody. <laughs> right? Well, we'll see. Maybe some one of the listeners knows yeah. somebody who would make a movie out of it. But I think it would be a fun movie. And rom coms apparently are on the way back. I just read an article. Rom coms are coming back because oh, I they. One last night. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So. She's she's a bit of a comical character because she's so all over the place, right? She's yeah, just yeah. got all these insecurities and and well, uh, but imagine, she's a clut. <laughs> yeah, but imagine less coming back. Like imagine the father of your child coming back into your life, like yeah, accidentally, yeah. you know, because it it was accidental. Yes, she didn't know he was back in town, and yeah. I mean, I'm sure she probably thought, "I'm never going to see this man again." And yeah. But nothing yeah. is accidental or coincidental. Oh, there we go. Oh, we yeah. get in a whole discussion <laughs> about that. Nothing is accidental nothing. or coincidental. Yes. Things happen when they're supposed to happen, happen. Yes. at the right time. So right? that's fate. Yeah. It's the opposite of accidental. Exactly. Yes. Or yeah. coincidental. Yeah. I kind of believe in fate. I kind of think things happen I do too, the way I they do. do. As hard as some people have to go through things in their life, I hate to think that that's fate, like, you know, things that are happening even around the world to certain yeah, well, families. I, I I hate to think that that's fate, yeah. you know, 
But, but fate doesn't mean always just happy or good. Yes. And it's for the good of who, right? Like yeah. maybe not right now. We don't know why it's good or why it's happening, but it might be my bad fate, but it's because it's going to cause good to somebody else. So like, you know, it's all we're all a circle all it's all connected and related and it's the circle of life and yeah. yeah that's what everything that's why it means everything happens for a reason it may not be my reason yes. but maybe there's a lesson to be learned for somebody else yeah. or there's right. a reason that nobody understands yeah it still has yet to be yes. determined yes exactly well i think we're going to stop it at that with that thought, I like that thought of fate and love. And and I thank you so much for being here. I know that you all have very busy lives. And um, <laughs> and uh, no, I, I really, really appreciate it, especially because you read it so yeah. early on. Like you were the first few people, like Doris and Louise, I remember when I told you about it, it's online and you went. Photograph. I think I got your signature. Did I? Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Was it? Was it 13? Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. I that can't was... get your autograph. Mine's, I, I downloaded it. I bought it and downloaded oh, it. Oh, so okay. I, I don't you don't need my autograph. You see my face all the time. <laughs> True. Yeah. True. stamped on my heart. Uh, yes. That's the best <laughs> autograph, right? The heart stamp. Yeah. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you. And now you. we're going to have, yes. you're welcome, Louise. And now we're going to have dinner, <laughs> dinner with friends. <laughs> Some? <laughs> okay, whatever you say. <laughs> Thanks so much, listeners, for tuning in to Not Just Any Other Story. And I hope you join us. For the next few chapters, oh, it's going to get even better, even juicier. Um, so please come back. See you next time. <laughs>